righty. If you've got your Bibles, take them. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It's pretty easy to find. It's page 423. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 4. All right, my heart is burdened for children today. I love, kids are my thing. Always been my thing. I love children. I love being around young people. I never understood why old people want to hang around with each other. I want to be around young people. And we're going to talk about children today. I want to talk today about Satan's war against children. And he is waging an insidious war for the children of our land. And he's winning by default. We're not even showing up for the battle in a lot of cases. And I want to talk to you about children today. I talk to moms and dads. And um, there's a great fight going on for the family today in our nation. You know that if you've been around many years. But let me remind you of something. You need to remember something. Our, our battle is not against political organizations, elements, institutions. We wrestle not with flesh, but with principalities and powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. I'm going to tell you, Satan hates children. And his delight is in destroying children. And there's a great spiritual war being fought for children today. I'm watching good Christian people lose their children. And it doesn't need to happen. It's not the will of God that anybody be lost. You say, well, you never, you never know. Yes, you do know. This book's very clear. God ordained every child. Before he knit them in the womb, he knew them. Their days were written. He had plans for children before they were ever born. And their plans for good. Our children should do well. They should be healthy. They should be secure. They should prosper. They should do well in business. They should love the Lord their God. They should have great relationships and great families. That is written over their lives before they were ever conceived. And a parent's job is to work with God to bring that to pass, to work with him. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, we're going to look at one verse in Nehemiah. I love this verse. Let me tell you that These are the people of God. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They've got a home. They love their children. They love their families. And they're all of a sudden, for no reason except uh, evil, they're attacked from the outside. And they're being attacked. Their families are being threatened. Their children are being threatened. Their homes are being threatened. Their leader is a man named Nehemiah. And he stands and they're scared. They're nervous. They're, they don't know what to do. And he stands up and he calls them. And I want you to listen to what he says to them. But listen, what he's saying to them is what God is saying to Christian parents and grandparents today. And here's the message God has for families today. It's in Nehemiah chapter 14, excuse me, chapter four. Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14. And I looked and arose and I said to the nobles, the leaders, and to all of God's people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Listen to what he said. He stood up before the people and said, quit being afraid. Do not be afraid of this culture. Don't be afraid of the element that's damaging children. You need to get that off your mind and get how great the Lord God Almighty is on your mind. Think about the Lord, how great he is. But what do he say? What do he say? You got to fight for your kids. You got to fight for your sons and daughters. You got to fight for your families. You got to fight for your home. If you don't fight for your children, your enemy will haul them off. You got to fight for your family. You got to fight for a marriage today. We're just, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to take time to give you the statistics of what's happening with children and teenagers today. The mental problems, the relational problems, the addiction problems. I'm not going to take time to tell you about, you know it. We're losing the battle for kids today in many cases. And, and the reason is not because it's destined. What do you say? What's the, what's the key word? Fight. You got to fight for your kids. And I know you're like me. You lay down your lives for your kids. All right, I'm going to talk to you from scripture today. 
But let me say this. You, we need to get the despair off of us. You can do this. Right. It, it, this well, you never know what's going to happen. Knock that mess off. Yes, you do. This book is true. If God be for me, who can be against me? I don't care what's coming against my children or coming against my family. I have got the game changer on my side. I got the way maker on my side. And we need to, instead of hoping something good happens, we need to go into this thing full bore saying, this is what's going to happen. And we'll pay the price for it. All right, from scripture, I'm going to give you several things that's required of parents and families. Grandparents, get in the ball game too. And uh, I, I pray not to offend anybody today. You know what that means, don't you? I don't give a flying natural in who it jacks off. I am more concerned about people getting help than being popular. Number one, one of the greatest lies ever told today in America, you can have it all. You cannot have it all. You cannot have it all. One of the greatest lies that began to be perpetrated in the 1970s are about, you can have a great family, you can have a great career, you can have a giant house, you can be queen of the garden club, you can sit down and drink craft beer with all your buddies, you cannot have it all. You know what multitasking is? Anybody ever heard of that multitasking? Multitasking is when you wear yourself out trying to do too many things and you don't do nothing well. That's multitasking. The Bible speaks against multitasking. Dr. Caroline Leaf, the brilliant neuroscientist, has said even, the, even our study of the brain now tells us it is impossible for a human to multitask. You're actually swapping back and forth between two things. Listen to what the Bible says about this. And you need to memorize this verse and make up your mind. Philippians 3.13 says this. One thing I do, one thing. Listen to me, parents. Make up your mind what you want and make it the most important thing in your life. If you want to soar in your career, don't have children. If you want to own the world, don't have children. Let me, let me, let me just let the cat out of the bag here. You make up your mind. If I don't do anything else well, we're going to do family well. Put your family first. I made a decision in my 20s. I can change jobs and get a new job. I don't have to be successful. I never had a career. I got a job. Careers are for your ego. Jobs feed the children. And I made up my mind as a young man, if we don't do nothing else, we're going to do family. And we're going to put family first. And if we're blessed and all that other stuff, that's gravy. The family's going to come first. You, you don't have great families by accident. You have them on purpose. You got to make up your mind. One thing I do, and I want to do one thing well, and I want it to be family first. Number two, <clears throat> listen to me, parents. You have to go first. Don't expect your kids to go anywhere unless you go there first. And I'm going to quote a verse, and a lot of people miss what this verse says. It's about family, and it's about the well-being of families. Joshua, I'm sure you've heard it. Joshua 24, 15 says this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a man who made a decision. He said to all the people around him, these were God's people. He said, if you want to serve the devil, that's your business. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But many people miss the most important part of that verse. What is it? It's not the word house. What is it? Who goes before house? Me. Before my house follows him, I got to follow him. Before I, want my, before I want my kids to do well, I got to do well. Before I expect my kids to be honest, I've got to be an honest man or an honest woman. Before I want my kid, I teach my kids to walk in integrity, I've got to decide to do it. If I want my kids to love Jesus, I've got to love him first. You don't tell your kids to do something. You lead your kids. As for me first, and then my house will serve the Lord. And you've got to make up your mind. You're going to lead the way and be first. How many parents if I had come to me and say, could you, could you talk to my children? They're just crazy as a loon. The children were not the problem. The father was the problem. The mother was the problem. Girls, by the time you have children, it is time to grow up. 
I can't get one amen out of women growing up today. Boy, hey, look, look up here, Peter Pan. Hey, Peter Pan. Hey, boys, Peter Pan. It's time to grow up. It's time to put that stuff to the side. This is what the Bible said. When I was a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I started acting like a man. When you got kids, it's time to man up, woman up. It's time to grow up. Uh, you can't do it all and you got to make up your mind. If I want my kids to be done, to do well, I got to lead the way. I got to go first. Number three, uh, you got to go first. Number three, you got to refuse and make up your mind. You, you just have to be ugly to raise children today. Excuse me, redneck. I, I'm sorry. Um, wiggly worm backbones ain't going to make it today. I don't know. You're just going to have to get a rod run up your spine if you're going to do this. But you got to make up your mind. I am not going to surrender my children to the doctrines of demons. Demons are not going to teach my children how to live. They say, well, Brian, what fool would do that? America. Look with me. First Timothy chapter four. I want to show you one of the most unusual verses in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you something, dear ones. If it's in the Bible, it's true. First Timothy chapter four is one of the great Listen, the Bible just reveals to us what's behind the scenes, what's really going on in the land. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 is one of those places where it shows us something. <clears throat> and I'm, I've watched this happen in my lifetime. This has happened in my lifetime. 2,000 years later after it's written, it's happened in my lifetime. 1 Timothy 4.1 says this, the Spirit expressly says, the Holy Spirit's telling us clearly, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. What the Bible says is going to happen right before Jesus comes back. People are going to turn away from God. Nations are going to turn away, depart from the faith. Listen, you can't depart from the faith unless you were in it. These are people who loved God. They obeyed him. These were nations that honored God. These were people that worshiped God, but they decided to leave him. Why would you leave the source of everything good? What's the rest of it say? They turned away from the faith, listening to, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons. Who's leading this nation away from Jesus today? Who leads godly men away from their wives? Who is it that's behind this mess going on today? This doctrine means teaching. Demon spirits are teaching us how to live today. I made up my mind. We were young. Demons ain't teaching my children. I'm going to teach my children. We're not going to have this stuff in our house. And you got to refuse to surrender your... We just made a decision when we were at 20-some years old. Ken and I made a decision before kids came. If it's contrary to God's word, not in this house. And we, we just made a decision. There's nothing going to be shown on the television that's contrary to God's truth. We're not going to speak to each other contrary to God's word. We're not going to pick on each other and be hateful to each other. We're going to honor each other in this house. There'll be no entertainment in this house that dishonors God. You say, man, you're, you're weird. So far, so good. So far, so good. Listen to me carefully. We're playing too close to the junk that's killing our children. Years ago, there was a Roman centurion who needed a chariot driver to drive his family. He took a fellow, he interviewed him, and he talked to him, and he took him and showed him, said, you see this cliff? You got to go by this cliff to get my house. I want to know how close you can get my family to this cliff and not go over. He said, I am the greatest chariot driver in Rome. I can get your family to within three foot of that cliff and get them home safe. I'm that good. That didn't suit him too well. He interviewed another, and he said, how close can you get my family to this cliff? and still get them home safe. He said, I am the greatest chariot driver in Rome. I can get them to within one foot of that cliff and get them home safe. That didn't suit him too good. He interviewed a third and he said, how close can you get my family to this cliff and get them home safe? He looked for a moment, he said, there's another road that goes through the woods that don't come near this cliff. 
I'll take them on that road and I'll guarantee you I'll get them home safe. Guess who got the job? <clears throat> Quit seeing how close you can get to the hellhole of this community with get your family home safe. Let's make up our minds. I don't have to do what they do. I have to do what this says. And we made a decision. There'll be nothing. Now, my wife is one of the gentlest, sweetest, kindest people you'll ever meet in front of everybody else. <laughs> She's the world's greatest mother to me. But buddy, when it comes to what's right and righteousness, she is a pit bull with a weenie. And we nailed it down. It's not going to be in this house. Nothing even close. We're not even going close to it in this house. That's going to be a house of laughter and joy and hope and encouragement and peace. But there ain't no junk coming through that door. What my neighbor does, I can't help. All right, one day when our kids are young, I had them in there. And we always built our houses open. Mama not going to be in the kitchen. We're all going to be together. While she, that way she can cook and we can sit on our bottoms and watch TV. We can all be together. <laughs> all together in our house. And we're watching a show called Touched by an Angel. It was on years ago. And my buddy Randy Travis is on there. So I wanted to watch it because Randy was on there. I like country music. I've gotten more mature and sanctified. I've quit listening to it now. But I like country music back then. And they were doing this show. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> a word was said on that show. My children would say, a word was said on that show. And it was the word D-A-M-N. Somebody said that word on the show. From the kitchen, I heard, turn it off. I thought it was just one slip up. They won't do it again. But I knew, I knew not to turn that thing off or better not to do it. I love her. Because she's made a decision. We made a decision. Our kids ain't going over there. We didn't do it perfect, but we made up our minds. Demons are not going to teach our children how to live. In the public schools, in the entertainment industry, in the, I started to say flipping in church. In the church. We're going to teach our children what the Bible says. and We're going to model it for them. Made up our mind. That's not going to happen. If it's not in God's word, not in this house. You said, but nobody can live like that. Go ask my three children that are grown now. Yes, they can. And they can do well. Number four, you're going to have to teach and model kingdom life to your kids. Listen to me. One of the, the greatest mistake in American parenting is we turned our kids over to the government. It's unscriptural. Our president this past week, I'm sorry, this is not political. I'm not right or left. My favorite, my favorite song these days is clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. I think they're all crazy as a loon. Our president said one of the most, he put his fist right in God's face this week when he said, children don't belong to their parents, they belong to the government. I've got it documented if you want to see it. Listen to me, children are a gift from the Lord to their parents. Now we fuss about that kind of stuff, but listen to what Americans did a few years ago. We decided we wanted to goof off and let somebody else raise our children. God didn't give those children to the government. He gave them to you and our responsibility. I want you to look for me in the book of Deuteronomy many places, but let's look in Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible, at what it says about a parent's responsibility to their children. You can fuss at Hollywood if you want to. You can fuss at the government. You can fuss at the schools. Doing I've got to do what he told me to do. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says this, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Every parent needs to hear this. This is where God speaks to parents about their children. Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You'll talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you write. What do you say? You got to get it in you first. You got to live this word first. And then 
model it and, and relate this to your children. What did it mean when you sit down, when you rise up? Don't sit your kids down once a month and lecture them. Let it be a lifestyle. Let them watch how you live. Listen, teach your children that Jesus is Lord. Teach your children to honor other people. Teach, listen, boys, men, teach your sons to respect women. This garbage in the entertainment industry that's treating women like junkyard dogs today, teach your boys to honor women. Teach them to honor their mothers. Teach them to be, listen, teach your kids to get up and go to work. Teach them that manual labor is not a Mexican evangelist. It's what you need to do if you want to get somewhere in life. Teach your kids to be people of integrity, even on little tiny issues, three cents, five cents, a nickel, a dime. Teach them integrity. If you won't walk in integrity with a dime, you won't walk in integrity with a million dollars. But we, and listen, teach your children joy. Teach them to rejoice in the Lord. Teach them to celebrate his goodness. Teach them that, that it's not about making money. It's not about houses. That's fine if you got one. It's about this world knowing Jesus. Teach these things to your children. Now listen to me carefully. Most children don't, don't learn by listening. Most children learn with their eyes. They learn by watching. You can sit down and lecture your kids, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to do what you do more than what you say. It's more caught than taught. All right, we never struggled with prejudice in my home growing up. I was raised in the 50s and the 60s. You, listen, there is, there is no prejudice in this nation today compared to what it was then. Those were in the days of desegregation. I lived in Charlotte. Charlotte was the second school system desegregated. And I remember the whole city of Charlotte was under lockdown, under curfew because of the violence over desegregation. There was a war going on. We never struggled with it in our home for this reason. My parents modeled what it means to treat everybody equally. I, I don't ever remember my daddy setting me down and saying, every, you treat everybody equal. But I watched it in the house between him and my mom both. Uh, one quick incident that affected me greatly when I was a child. I'm about seven, eight years old. My daddy hired a black man. He lived not far from us and he had work done in his yard. He just wanted his whole yard redone. So he hired a black man to come and bring his tractor and his equipment, tear that yard up and rebuild it. And he did it. it took him almost two days to do it. Now you got to remember this is 1964 or five. A new house cost $10,000 back then. And uh, see him over there and he worked. He got done. We're standing in the kitchen. And my daddy said, my daddy always called black men mister. He always referred to black women as Ms., Mrs., I always showed respect for him. And he said, Mr. So-and-so, he said, how much do I owe you? And he said, I, I reckon about $40 would be a plenty. Well, that was a lot of money back then. So my daddy wrote him a check and got done. They talked for a little while. And he, of course, he gave him vegetables. He always gave vegetables to everybody. And they left. And a little bit later, I heard my mom up. She was mad about something. She looked in the checkbook and he'd written him a check for $100. And she wasn't mad about, you know, any, she just said, $100 is a lot of money. That's about what you made in a week back then. And she said, why'd you give him $100? Said he only asked for 40. And my daddy, gentle spirit that he was. He said, now, Betty, you know good and well, if I was a white man, that's what he'd have got. That man does the work. He deserves what anybody else gets. You see, kids pick that up. When, you're, when, you, when your kids see you teach one thing, but live another thing, they pick that up. That's why you have to model and teach these things to your children. Stamp your children. Dad's listening to me. Mom's listening to me. You need to be able to say what this book says. I want you to listen to what it says. Three times in this book it says, imitate me. You need to be able to look at your kids and say, you just do what you see me do. You say, Brother Brian, I don't know if I want that or not. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to say to your kids, you just do what you see me do. Imitate me. I'll never forget, I was asked to do the funeral of a man. I didn't know him because he didn't go to church here. But his son went here, son and I think a couple daughters. And I went to visit uh, with, the, with the family. 
and uh, the, the man, I, he was, time was close. He was right about the end of his life. I went to visit with him and uh, his son was there and his son was bothered because he knew his dad was fixing to slip into eternity in a few days. And I, I just fell in love with the guy the first time. He was in his 80s maybe. And he, could, he was having trouble speaking and his son was upset. So he patted his son on the hand and said, son, you just do what you saw me do and you'll be fine. I think it's the last thing you ever said to his son. What a way, what a way to live so you can say to your kids, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We got to make up our minds. I want to stamp my children. I don't want some lunatic who doesn't know which ends up stamping my children in the public schools. Not being unkind. I, I, listen, I don't want Snoop Dogg stamping my kids. I don't want some horny cowboy stamping them either. Can I get a witness? I don't want Lady Gaga stamping my daughters. I'll do it. All right, we've got to make up our minds that we're going to teach and model the kingdom in our homes and everything we do. Number five. Now, let me encourage you parents about something here. You got to man up, girls. <laughs> Get to man up, boys. Peer pressure is a very powerful thing. The fear of man is very powerful. And it's telling people how to raise children today. And people are scared of what other people will think. They want to fit in, even with their own parents. I'm talking about a parents, their parents. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to honor God above everybody else. I'm going to fear him alone. All right, that, that involves two things. Number one, I don't care if the people at your church think you're overboard or over the top. You just follow Jesus. Let the chips fall where they may. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 12 and let me show you one of the most powerful things that's happening in our land today. Then as the Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of man brings a snare. If you're concerned about what other people think about you, now listen to me, parents. You don't want your kids to do well so you can impress your friends. That's witchcraft. You want your kids to do well because Jesus created them to do well. But the Bible talks about a situation where people wanted to follow Jesus, but they were scared of what people would think. That's called the fear of man. And we need to be delivered from the fear of man in this generation. You, listen to me. In this culture we're living in right now, you're not going to please Jesus and please society too. You've got to make up your mind. It's not going to work like that anymore. All right, the Bible teaches us in John chapter 12, verse 42. Even among some of the rulers, John 12, 42, many believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they wouldn't confess him lest they be put out of the center. You got it? These people believed in Jesus. They thought Jesus was the way. They thought he was real. They thought he should, but they knew if I stand up for Jesus, my friends are going to laugh at me. If I stand up for Jesus, these people might throw me out of their, you'd be surprised at the people if they really followed Jesus would be thrown out of American churches today. They didn't want to say anything about Jesus. Why is that? The answer's in the next verse, verse 43. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They love the approval of men more than the approval. Now listen, listen to me, listen to me. Don't be a jerk and say, I don't care what anybody thinks. No, that's a whole different stupidity. A good name is to be chosen as far as is possible with you. Be at peace with all men. But when it comes down to it, you can't please God and people both. You better side with him. Make up your mind. Get free from the fear of men. True freedom is to be free from the fear of men. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom from that stuff. All right, now let me help you, especially you girls. This seems to be more girls and moms than dads. You need to honor God. You need to desire the approval of God more than you do juvenile approval. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you get your feelings hurt because your 13-year-old says she don't love you no more, you're not qualified to parent. If your children don't ever get mad at me, at you, I know they're mad at me. 
If your children don't get upset with you, you're doing something terribly wrong. You don't think children know how to use witchcraft? You don't think they don't know how to manipulate your emotions and start crying when you don't let them have, you don't think they know how to do that? The little devils. You don't think your 13 year old daughter knows how to jerk your string? Listen, when they start that mess, do it right here. Do this, just do, I did this. You know what that is right there, sweetheart? That's the world's smallest record player playing My Heart Bleeds For You. Go to your room. Your children need a friend, tell them to go to YMCA. They need a mother. They need a mother who will draw the line. That you got to love them, care for them, cheer for them, encourage them, but do not bend on right and wrong to keep a 13-year-old happy. And if they, threaten, if they say, I'm never speaking to you again, say, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let it be Jesus. You've heard this story over and over again. Listen to me. I am tired of driving the ambulance at the bottom of the mountain. I want to put a guardrail at the top. Tired of cleaning up messes. We need to prevent this stuff. You've heard this story over and over again. I'm a 14 years old, 15 years old. wasn't driving yet. I had my best buddy. He lived in the nicer part of town over there. I had the awfulest parents in the world. He had the greatest parents in the world. His parents let him smoke dope in the house. They provided it for him. You could smoke pot in their house. They'd say, help yourself to our beer in the house there. So you don't have to stay out all hours. Stay out all night if you want to. You don't need to call us. You can do anything you want to do. He had wonderful parents. My parents, on the other hand, were awful. They had to know where you were. My mama checked my breath every time I came in the door. She did. She said, come here, let me smell you. I said, don't you trust me? She said, no. <laughs> there was it. And if she, when I start to say, if she caught me drinking, God Almighty, every night. When, oh, it was on. It was on. And I thought, why can't they just leave me? Don't they know I'm old enough to make my own decisions? My mama stayed in my mess. Well, you know the story. You know what happened for him. Prison and early death. And I've been blessed beyond measure because I had the meanest mama in the world. You ever wonder why in the book of Proverbs that says her children rise up and call her blessed? Because they can't stand her when they're young. But they rise up and call her blessed because when they get older, they realize she saved my life. She was doing right. I, if you're 15 or 16 or under, don't listen to me. They don't know how stupid they are. Why do you think God gives children parents? Why do you think he said, train them up? They need training. I'm telling you, you need to make up your mind. I don't do this to get your approval. I don't do it to get my mama's approval. I don't do it to get my neighbor's approval or anybody else's approval. I want to honor God raising children. I want him to go first. And listen to me, nobody has the best interest of your children at heart like their heavenly father. And he's the only one that knows what he's doing in this business. That's why we desperately need his wisdom. We desperately need his wisdom. We need to make up our minds. I'm going to honor him first. Two more. Let me give you number six. You need to make up your mind. Now listen, this is, this is a, this costs you something. You need to make up your mind. Whatever it costs, I'll pay the price to bless my children. I don't care what it costs me. I remember when my wife got pregnant uh, 34 years ago. And I thought, I remember thinking, that's neat. This is neat. We got a new one will come in the house. This is going to be fun. Oh, this is going to be so fun. I was as 
clueless. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. I had no idea what was fixing to hit my house. I, th I thought you just like added a baby on like you did another truck. I didn't know. Or like a, I don't know. I don't know what I, I've never been there. I don't know. You know, a little baby, you pat him, burp him, put him in the bed and go and do your thing. I didn't know this stuff. And then we brought that child home. It dumped our lives upside down. You couldn't even go to the Walmart without packing a truck to go. No more grab your billfold and let's go. We had to get, that's why we bought a van. I said, let's get us a van so we can carry all the junk. I weigh 200 pounds. You weigh 120 pounds. She weighs nine pounds. Why she got to have so much junk around here like this? It up, you can't sleep anymore. We read all them books on how to do it the right way. I finally threw the books in the garbage. I said, put the child in the bed. We're going to get some rest around here. They stink your house up. They upend your schedule. They take your money. I mean, it just dumps your life upside down. I'd do it all over again tomorrow. But you listen to me. You got to make up your mind. We will sacrifice whatever we have to for the well-being of these children. All right, listen to me. I'm going to tell you how children need to be loved. Amen. Children need a lot of love. Amen. Would you agree with me? Children need a lot of love. Yes. I'm fixing to spell the word love for you. Here's how you spell the word love. You know what it is. T-I-M-E. That's how you spell I say spell love. How many kids have I had tell me, I don't want the car. I don't want the money. I want my daddy to take me somewhere. I want our family to eat together. I wish we could do something together. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. I had fishing buddies and I traveled and I did this and that's four kids came. When my first child was born, I got new buddies. They were my children. And I didn't do it perfect, but we made up our minds, whatever it takes, let's do this. That's why I, I am so great. That's why I love my wife so much. She was willing to sacrifice whatever it took. Money, I'd have been a rich man if I hadn't had children. I am richer because I had children. Hobbies, let me tell you something about your career. It's good to have a career and a Christian ought to be the best worker in a place. You ought to be there early. They ought to, you ought to be the best worker in a place because you love Jesus. But there's going to come a day you have to choose between that career and your family. man told me not long ago, he said, I've got an opportunity to move to Dallas, Texas. It's a great, it's a raise. It's a great promotion. I said, you're going to jerk your kids up away from the friends they're used to, away from their grandparents, out of the church where they're being blessed, and you're going to take a chance all for a few dollars. Listen, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying you better think about this stuff and make up your mind. Career is number two to me. Family is number one. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying don't sacrifice your children for the things you want. Children first. And make decisions with them in mind. Location, I remember, I'll never forget this. 20-some years ago, I'm a little pastor in a little country church out in the country, a little town called Peachland. It's 30 miles over to Charlotte. A family lived in Charlotte. They drove out every Sunday. They had four kids. And he was living in a, a, an apartment complex. It was drug infested. It was a hellhole. And he worked and it was, had four young kids. And I told him, I said, Ronnie, your kids don't need to be raised in that hellhole. I said, pack your family up and move out here. Get in this community. Your kids can grow up in this community. They can grow up in this church. They'll find friends. They'll be taken care of. And he said, I'd have to drive 30 minutes to get back to work every day. You know the story. He stayed there and he lost all four of his kids over a few minutes drive time. Dear ones, make decisions for the well-being of your family first. Friends, you, listen, you got crackhead sleeping on the couch. It's time for her brother to go. <laughs> you need to have friends that bless your family. Run with people. Listen to me. 
run with people that are running where you're going. I'm fixing to go deep. You ready? You don't get racehorses out of mules. Are you with me? Boys, when them boys come to see your daughter, you just, you just know this. You don't get racehorses out of mules. You cross a racehorse. I don't care if it's a thoroughbred. You cross a racehorse with a mule, you get a jackass. That's not what you want. Line them up. Let me do one more. And this is the game changer. Everything I've said, you can do everything I just said right and still lose your children. Now, I'm going to teach you one of the greatest principles in God's word. Here it is. Greater is he. You ever heard this? No, you hadn't. You think, you, you think I'm going to quote a certain verse. Greater is he that's in this world than you. The powers of, you're no match for the powers of hell. You are not, I don't care if you do everything right. I don't care if you, I don't care what you do. The enemy is greater than you are. However, let me quote the one you were referring, thinking about. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. You know what that means? You can do everything right. But if you don't bring the hand of God down on your house, you're still going to get whipped. Billy and Ruth Graham had six children. Four of them went off the rails. I don't, you can do everything right and be in trouble unless, this is the game changer. Here's the one thing, prayer. Prayer is the game changer. You can do everything right, but if you don't learn how to pray for your children and you don't get in that closet and you're not faithful in that closet, you can lose them still. All right, let me, when I'm just a young man, we're starting to have children before we had children and he taught me one of the greatest lessons and I've always held to it out of Exodus 17. I'll just quote it to you. Moses and his people were doing exactly, his family was with him, his people, his friends. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. They were living good lives. They were going exactly where he told them to go but they were attacked by an enemy that was more powerful than them. And they were good people. They were God's people. They were obeying him, but they could not withstand the attack of the enemy. Moses went up on a mountain. He lifted his hands in the air to God. This is what the Bible said. The moment his hands went in the air, everything changed down there on the ground. God Almighty got involved and his people routed a stronger enemy and did great. Does anybody remember this story? This passage. Right, what's he teaching us here? Now listen to this. This is one of the strangest things, but let's learn from it. When he put his hands, his hand, he got tired. When he put his hands down, God stopped acting on behalf of his family. The Bible said when he put his hands down, all of a sudden the enemy began to overpower his people and his children. What's that all about? There was almighty God can speak one word and change a life, but he only acts because people pray. Now let me teach you one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn. You don't have to ask Satan to assault your children. The enemy cometh. God only works by your will. He will not barge into your life. That's why he says, I stand at the door and knock. That's prayer. And, and I knew this as a young man. You get your hands up in the air and you do your part. You, you model, you do your part, do this in your home, but you better find you a quiet place. Matthew 6, 6 became dear to me. Go in your room and shut your door. Pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who's in secret will do something for you publicly. And I knew, get in that closet, get your hands up in the air and begin to pray. Now listen to me, let me help you. Parents, if you can't do but one thing for your children, you learn how to pray. Now, please let me help you. I, I love you. I'm, I am battling for your children. I love you. Don't, do, don't whine to God and call it praying. That's called whining, not praying. Don't tell him how bad it is. He's everywhere. He knows everything. You pray in faith over your children. Don't pray based on what they're doing. You pray out of this word and you pray out of this book over your children. You get your hands there and you declare, you agree with him in faith. This is what's going to happen right here. 
four protect, and I've got many scriptures I pray over my children. Let me give you four that I've prayed all my life over them. For 33 years now, I've played over these children. Every day of my life, I declare, I praise you and thank you, Father. My wife will be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of my house, and my children will flourish like olive plants all around my table. Psalm 128, Psalm 90. Father, I praise you and thank you that you will show your glory to my children, and the beauty of the Lord God will rest upon them, and they will flourish. Isaiah 43, I want to praise you and thank you. You will pour your spirit out on my children and your blessing on my descendants and they shall thrive. Isaiah 54 says this, all my children, not a couple of them, all my children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. And you get in that prayer call. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what's going on. You hold your hands up before God. And holding your hands up, there's no magic in it. It's just a sign of faith and trust in him. And you pray and you pray this over your children. And let me tell you, a lot of times when you're doing that, you'll sense in your heart, you'll sense in your spirit a battle taking place. That is the war between light and darkness. And you get in there and you pray before God on behalf of your children. All he has to do is say, boo. Speak to your children. One time, everything's turned around. And we need to believe. I'm going to do my part. But you know what I'm trusting you know, where all my marbles are? Prayer. And you need to learn how to pray for your children. So, Brother Brian, I ain't got time to pray. I'm too busy with Facebook and watching the golf match and watching baseball games. There's going to come a day you wish you had reprioritized your life. We got time to pray. And let's get in. Listen, don't miss a day. Do it every day. And get in there and you battle for your children. Listen to what the Bible said. I sought for a man to make up the gap and stand in the gap, but I couldn't. He just wants somebody to pray over these kids so he can get involved in their lives and his will can be done in their lives. If you have a family, take the long-term view. In America, we've changed in the last 30 years. We live for about three seconds out. What feels good right now? What can I get right now? You've got to start taking the long-term view. And this child rearing is a long-term view thing. Let me share with you a perspective a lot of you don't have. I've preached 340 funerals in my brief career. 340 funerals. I am the last man that a lot of people have spoken to. Sort of humorous to me through the years. A lot of people don't like to see me come around until they're about ready to get off the bus and then they're looking for me. That's fine. But I've talked to a lot. I've been the last person a lot of people have talked to because a lot of people, when they know they're facing eternity, they want to talk to me or talk to a preacher. And I've sat with a lot of dying people on their deathbeds and let me tell you what, without, without fail, let me tell you what I've heard. Not one time out of all those hundreds of times has anybody ever said to me, preacher, go get my golf clubs and lay them right here beside me in the bed. Not one time. Nobody has ever said to me, run into my office, preacher, and get my checkbook, lay it on the pillow right here beside me. And nobody cares about that stuff then. Not one time has anybody ever said to me in 40 years, I wish I'd have worked more. Guess what everyone wants to talk about? Family. They want to talk about where am I going when I step through that door into eternity? Is this Jesus stuff real? Can he help me? And they want to talk about family. And without fail, almost, not, not always, but without fail, almost, you know what they said? I wish I'd spent more time doing that. Well, hey, why don't we do something? Why don't we do what the Bible says? Teach us to number our days and apply our hearts to wisdom and a wise man will look ahead. You know what smart is? Don't wait till you get too old to do something. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Let's do it while we can. Now, I got a word for somebody in here. Um, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, I don't care if your kids are off the rail, I don't care if you haven't spoken years. 
If they're still breathing, there is a God in heaven who can hear your prayer. Lift your head up. Quit listening to the discouragement. Find you promises in this book and you get in that prayer closet. It is the will of God that people unite. He wants your kids to love him and to love you. God is a family God and he loves family. That's why the foundation of every nation is the family. That's why our enemy knows destroy the family, you destroy the nation. I'm gonna, I don't know what the, I don't know what's going to happen in the nation. I'm not in control of the nation. I thought up this, say, you will like this saying, it's real nice. As for me and my house, let's make up our minds. We're going to do that. All right. As I told you, my mother went to be with Jesus three years ago today. And I love my mama dearly. She, uh, I didn't love her when I was young because she didn't know how to appreciate me when I was young. She didn't, she was old. She didn't understand things. She went to college in the 1950s, went to Baptist college. She was going to be a missionary and ended up deciding to have a family. And, uh, mom and I didn't get along so good when, when I was young. She just didn't want to cooperate. She didn't understand things. She was out of that old, you know, she had to dust her in the mornings. She was out of that old schooling mess. She didn't understand the progressive ways. But I'm going to tell you, if you got older and I saw things different, I began to see things different. And as I told you, she, she got some mental problems as she, you know, it's dementia. She got older there. And um, I think I told you right before she died, she told me, lean over and let me slap you for all the things that I forgot or didn't remember. But you know what the greatest thing, I love my mom and I've been blessed. But let me tell you about my mama. <clears throat> fellow asked me, it was, as a matter of fact, I preached that Sunday after my mother passed away that morning. And fellow said, I'm so sorry about you losing your mom. And I just looked at him funny. I said, I lose my mom. He said, I'm sorry, I thought she died. I said, no. He said, I don't know where I got that from. I said, I didn't lose mom. You ain't lost somebody when you know where they're at. I said, mama didn't die. She just moved. It's the greatest thing about my mama. I will see her again. I hope she's not in a slapping mood when she gets to heaven. <laughs> surely, surely Jesus has perfected her by now. And I'm telling you, she's not going to be an old lady either. The aging process came because of sin. She's a young woman now. And she'll be a young woman. And this is the greatness of Jesus. No matter how screwed up I am, no matter how screwed up people are, we'll never stop. Right now, my joy, and I'm going to quit here, my joy is my family. I love my family. That's my thing. You can have my job. You could pry my bass boat away from me, but just leave my family alone. I love my family. One of my joys is to sit around the table with all my family there. And I sit at the head of the table because that's what old men do. And a lot of times, and there, you have to have a bookmark to get a word in when our family's all together. And they're jibber jabbering and laughing and cutting up. And I just sort of step back and look at that. I just look around and look at them and I think, God has been good to me. This is the kindness of the Lord. But you know what else I always think when I look at that? And it'll never end either. 10,000 years from now. I don't know if we'll all live together. My wife's nervous about that. <laughs> I don't know about it. I just don't understand all that stuff. I just know this. The man is good and he's got it all figured out. And 10,000 years from now, my family will still be there because they've all put their trust in Jesus. Listen to me carefully. I don't care if you buy your child a Corvette, braces, the best materials, get the best team, send them to Harvard for a PhD. What would it profit a child to gain the whole world and lose their own soul? More than anything else, your kids need to meet Jesus. And you need to take them there. And we need to pray for our children to find Jesus. We cannot afford to lose this one. Our dear ones, I, want you, I want you to have a heart for children. We need to turn our hearts back. The last thing said in the Old Testament was something that God would do, and he's doing it today. I will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. 
and the hearts of the children back to, you know what he said? I'm going to rebuild families. Families don't think coming out of this earth. Families in the Bible. And I want you to take yours with you. I don't want to pray. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. I, I, my heart has just been aching all week long over family and what's happening in our families and the decimation of the family in this nation and, and the, the, put the kids on hold. We got to go drink craft beer stuff. I pray this morning, turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. Not, not just biological, but turn the hearts of leaders in churches back to the children and, and willing to sacrifice anything for the well-being of the children. I want to praise you and thank you. You're the one who said, don't, don't do that. Let the little children come to me. And that's the, that's the heart of God for every father, every mother. Bring your children to me in the way you live. Make your home heaven on earth. Make it a place of righteousness and peace and joy and encouragement and hope and honor. Make your home beautiful. Make it on earth like it is in heaven. And I praise you and thank you for that. Father, I pray you draw people to yourself this morning. Father, a lot of people in here this morning, they just came to church because it's Mother's Day. They came to be with their mama or brought their mama or whatever. Father, how sad it would be for a man to love his mama, but there come a day he never sees her again for all of eternity because he didn't know you. Draw people to your dear son now. I trust you for that. Father, we have two invitations this morning. One is for people to come to you. The other is for people to turn their hearts to their children completely. I trust you for that. Friend, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have got to do business with God. You have got to trust Jesus. He gives you a free will. You can accept him or you can reject him. But as the word of God says, as, as though he were pleading through me, be reconciled to God. Get right with God. He sent his son and died a cruel death on a cross so that you could know him personally and he could be, he could be a father to you and then have eternal life. But you've got to turn from your sin and you've got to turn to him. Why in the world would anybody reject Jesus? I don't understand it. But this is your chance. We're gonna, I'm going to pray in just a minute. You pray seated right there in that seat where you're at. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. You've got to come to him like a child, humbly. You've got to mean it with your heart. This is not a get at heaven. This is not a ticket to heaven. This is, a, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want you to pray with me, seated right there where you're at. If you want to follow Jesus as your Savior, turn from your sin and accept Christ and give your life to him. And you want the, I'm telling you, this is the greatest life on earth. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about knowing Jesus. And it's certainly the greatest life for all of eternity. Seated right there at the altar, pray a simple prayer with me. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins. But I believe you rose from the grave in great power. I believe you're coming back to this earth one day. I want to belong to you. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I turn from them. I repent. And I turn with all my heart to you, Jesus. I don't know what this means, but I'm trusting you to teach me. Today, you are the Savior, the Lord, and the love of my life forever. I declare it. And I put my trust in you to save me. And now I belong to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for speaking to me. I declare this in the name of Jesus Christ, strong Son of God. If you prayed that minute, raise your hand real high. Put it up real high where I can see it. Thank you. Put those down. Father, I want to praise you and thank you that you're still calling people to yourself. And now, Father, we, our children are so dear to us. I wish I could have bottled all the pain and all the tears and all the agony I've heard through the years. 
of the pain of family. I want us to hear the voice of God. And I want people in this room this morning, Lord Jesus, to make a decision. Family first. And I'll lead my family to Jesus. And I'll model Jesus for my family. And whatever happens, it's going to be family over anything else on this planet. And Father, this morning to make a commitment to pray for our children. Pray in strong faith and believe you. And I ask you to do that in people's hearts this morning. Burn into our hearts. Father, like Abraham of old, when you told him, I've, I've given you all this stuff. And Abraham said, but it's family for me. I want us to have that kind of heart. I trust you for that. And Father, we want to be a church that cares about children and their well-being. They're cute. They're fun. We want them to enjoy themselves. But we want our children to be taken care of. I thank you. There's a day I'm going to step off this planet and come see you. And I'm not going to be able to take care of anybody. But I thank you that you will never leave our children and you'll care for them. And I pray on this day, burn it in the hearts of parents, children first, family first. We'll pay any price to make sure our children are well taken care of. I trust you for that. And now we give you the praise and glory. And today we want to thank you for mothers. So this, Father, it's another one of those things that familiarity breeds contempt because we're around them so much we forget how fortunate we are. Those of us that had great mamas that loved us and cared for us, we praise you and thank you. Those of us who've got great wives that are great mothers, we are so grateful. We give you the praise and glory. Those are the people you chose to bring us into the earth through. And we bless them today in the strong name of Jesus. And I want to thank you and praise you. That honor your mom and daddy stuff never expires. Thank you for the word you've given us to live by. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.